1: Hey, everybody, I'm Zach. And I'm Jesse. And you're watching Tesla Time News, episode 292 on Now You Know. We're brought to you by our amazing Patreon patrons.
2: You can help support
1: bringing you independent news every week by heading over to patreon.com slash now you know. There's really, really cool uh, tiers that we've set up there. So definitely go check those out. You might find something that you want like this mug. And we want to thank Birch Living for sponsoring the show. Stop. Hold it right there. Why are we talking about a mattress company on an EV show? Okay, well, why do we endlessly talk about EVs? Because they're good for the planet and they're fun to drive. Yep. And that's why we're talking about Birch. Because they're good for the planet and fun to drive? No, they're good for the planet because Birch makes organic, non-toxic mattresses made right here in America with just four materials sourced straight from nature, wool, latex, cotton, and steel. And they're fun to drive? Well, like EVs with butts and seats, once you experience a Birch mattress, you're gonna see that you were missing something. And you know this firsthand because you sleep on one. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to tell you about my experience sleeping on the Birch mattress, but every time I get in bed, I just fall asleep. <laughs> And that didn't happen before you got a birch. Right. I used to toss and turn. And now I don't know exactly how birch does it, but it's super comfy and supportive. And well, that's great. But how about if people watching are afraid to try it? What is there to be afraid of? You order on birchliving.com slash now you know. You get $400 off your mattress plus two free pillows. It arrives rolled up in a box. You take it into your bedroom, open it up, and sleep on it for 100 nights. Not only is it way easier than going into a store, and honestly, at a mattress store, are you really going to be able to tell how a mattress is to sleep on? Yeah, you have to sleep on it. With Birch, you get more than three months to make sure that you love it. If you don't, they'll pick it up for you, and I mean right out of your bedroom, and you'll get a full refund. And, and knowing that I'm sleeping on a mattress that is certified to be good for the planet also helps me sleep at night. Birch Living just announced their newest mattress, the Birch Luxe Natural Mattress. The Lux takes the comfort and luxury of the original Birch mattress to the next level. It is crafted with responsibly sourced and sustainably produced materials, including organic cashmere. Now, the Lux is specially created with breathability, cooling, and support in mind and offers increased airflow and targeted zoned lumbar support. If you've been dreaming about a new mattress, then don't wait any longer. Use our link, birchliving.com slash now know, and you'll get $400 off your Birch mattress plus two free pillows. Those pillows, by the way, are made from recycled plastic bottles. And we're brought to you by bigbattery.com. No matter what you need to power, Big Battery can provide you with the latest battery tech at the best price per kilowatt hour guaranteed. Their batteries are easily installed, require zero maintenance, and they're made right here in the US. Pick up yours today at bigbattery.com and use the code now know for 5% off at checkout. Well, that was quick. A day after it was revealed that Elon bought over 9% of Twitter stock, Elon accepted the offer from Twitter's board to join the Twitter board of directors. Twitter's board has limited ownership to 14.9%, so there can be no takeover. But in my opinion, Elon already is the most powerful voice on Twitter. And as you'll see on this week's Elon's Tweets of the Weeks, it looks like Elon already has some ideas. Hang on. This just in. Elon walked away from his Twitter board seat. Twitter CEO Parang Agrawal announced today in a memo sent to employees, we announced on Tuesday that Elon would be appointed to the board contingent on a background check and formal acceptance. Elon's appointment to the board was to become officially effective April 9th, but Elon shared that same morning that he will no longer be joining the board. I believe this is for the best. We have and will always value input from our shareholders, whether they are on our board or not. Elon is our biggest shareholder and we will remain open to his input. Okay, so was this move by Elon because he might want to buy more than 14.9% of Twitter? Yeah, when Elon bought those shares, the Twitter board quickly met and I guess voted that limit that you could hold because they didn't want a hostile takeover. And I think this was Elon saying, I don't want to be limited. But it could also be that Elon had said uh, he sees distractions ahead and he wants to tune out the noise. So I don't know. Tell us what you think in the comments. Do you think Elon's trying to get more shares or do you think he just doesn't want to be bothered with being on a board? It's a good question. I mean, he he definitely could buy more shares now. He's, he doesn't have the limit, and right. he also has plenty of money. And to that point, if he buys more shares, he could do a hostile takeover and just take over the whole company. And then put himself in as CEO. <laughs> right. And, of course, the reason why Elon is taking over Twitter is to get rid of those pesky algorithms. But you know what? Well, here it right now, you know, we just don't have all the money on earth to go buying up google to change their stupid algorithm so you have to hit the like button it's pretty unfortunate but if you just take a minute and hit the like button and appease the stupid algorithm maybe someday elon will come in and fix it for us but uh until that day please hit the like button so last week we live streamed cyber rodeo live jesse and i streamed for hours with our team here at now you know and the amazing team of noah and friends at corporate streams you can check out both the full live stream like six hours long, and our condensed highlights video here. And it was definitely a fun party for the fifteen thousand invitees. Uh, there was fireworks and drone shows and dancing and uh, art, all sorts of amazing stuff at Gigafactory Texas. But we also learned a few things. Yeah, number one, it looks like 2023 will be a massive year for Tesla as a bunch of products finally start production. Elon said at the event. Production of Cybertruck is coming next year. We will be in production with Roadster and with Semi. That's all coming. This year is all about scaling up. And next year, there's going to be a massive wave of new products. So as Elon just said, this year, 2022, is all about scaling up. And then 2023, they will shift focus to bringing Cybertruck, Semi truck and the Roadster to production. And I am super excited because uh, we are on the list to get all three of those. Yeah. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss our videos as we begin taking delivery of each. And it may not end there. That's right. Elon went on to say at Cyber Rodeo Live, I think we have a shot at being in production for version one of Optimus, hopefully next year. That, by the way, is TeslaBot. It will upend our idea of what the economy is. It will be able to do basically anything humans don't want to do. It will do it. It's going to bring an age of abundance. It may be hard to imagine it, but as you see optimists develop and we will make sure it's safe, no Terminator stuff, it will transform the world to a degree even greater than the cars. Obviously, massive implications for the economy and stuff like this. But where is it going to be? built giga texas i mean the fact that he talked about it at the giga texas opening it kind of makes me think it will be built there it's kind of like between building an iphone and a car in terms of like the space you need right but it's all the same basic stuff that you build a car out of it's motors batteries electronics so i feel like you'd make it a giga texas there's all that extra space they said was still available and then once you've built a few prototypes and even Some of the production, uh, they can just walk right off the factory line and walk onto another factory line and start making cars or other optimuses. And I mean, this is perfect for Tesla because they can hone it. They can iterate it and they can gather data from it. All without worrying that it's going to break down in consumers homes, because let's be honest, it's going to be a first version. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's so much stuff that can break and be, you know, need to be updated. If it's working right there in the factory, they can test it. They can make sure that it's not going to, you know, (laughs) go strangle someone. Uh, It's, you know, it's in a controlled environment. And all of this while saving money as it slowly starts replacing humans in the factory. Yeah, and and this is a big point. I mean, I know it's a touchy point, right? Because these are gonna replace human jobs and we really need to start talking about this now. What is gonna become of us humans? What are we relegated to in the future? Uh, Is it going to be a wonderful future where we're all going to get to relax and read books all day? Or are we going to just feel like we have no purpose and we're all going to become drug addicts and play video games? Like, I have no idea. Well, to look at it another way, though, it will start small. It will start at Tesla and it's going to be driving down costs in the factories um, while they spend the real money on R&D and the new products. So it is a win-win. And if we think about it in terms of the environment, not much real point if uh, the world kind of crumbles because of, you know, climate change. Mm. So kind of anything that gives Tesla an edge at this point is good because it will help shift the world to renewable energy, thus saving it from climate catastrophe. Then we can focus on the iRobot stuff. Um and wrap that up in a okay. Will Smith movie, Sure enough. Hmm. Will Smith is- Elon also announced another product that no one had previously really heard about, which is a dedicated robo taxi that should make its debut next year as well. He said there's going to be a dedicated taxi that is going to look quite futuristic looking. So what is he talking about here? I don't know. Could it be something like this people mover, this van bus thing that we saw some renderings of in the Boring Company animations a few years ago? Because I mean, if all Teslas with full self-driving are gonna be capable of joining the Tesla network and driving autonomously, as Elon has said before, then why would Tesla need to make a dedicated robotaxi? Yeah, because I mean, Elon even said Thursday night that Tesla's goal is for everyone in North America who paid for full self-driving to get access to the full self-driving beta program. So those cars should all be able to join the network. But I guess this dedicated vehicle is kind of important right first of all it won't be built with a steering wheel if my guesses are right it's going to be built more like uh seats that face each other Mm -hmm. probably holds more people probably more places for you know um luggage and stuff like that it's going to be built i'm guessing to be less like your family sedan car and more like a car that gets used all day long like really built to last and we've seen a lot of these kind of concepts from zooks and uh, cruise there's it's basically just a big box four wheels and a door that opens, and then it's like a little living room. Kind of thing, maybe. I, yeah, I'm guessing. I think you brought up this point during our live stream that um, Tesla probably needs these dedicated robo taxis because when they start the Tesla network, they need to have a certain number of cars to make that network work, and they can't rely on you allowing your car to be used, you know, two hours a day because mm-hmm. it's convenient for you. They need to know that there's a certain number of cars that are there 24 seven. Right. I mean, if if I started, you know, Jesse's robo taxi company, and it wasn't a robo taxi, it was just me, and hey, I'll pick you up. Uh, download my app. Uh, it's not the same as Uber because if I'm the only driver available, that's not going to be too useful. So you yeah. need a certain amount of vehicles on the road. That's why Uber was so successful right. is because they can get a lot of people to join. The same thing needs to happen here, except that those owners of those Teslas don't need to be driving those vehicles. Tesla owners can kind of supplement what Tesla is already going to have as a fleet. Exactly. And I didn't think this was going to happen, but many of our viewers on the live stream did. In fact, I think we ran a poll about it and our viewers predicted it. Tesla started delivering some new Texas-built Model Ys on Thursday night to a few lucky customers. Now, technically, Texas state dealership laws don't allow Tesla to deliver cars in Texas, but there are loopholes in place that Tesla has found, and I'm sure they use those to deliver the first Texas-made Model Ys on Thursday. Now, we can't confirm this, but these Model Ys, according to Elon's remarks, appear to have the 4680 structural battery pack. I mean, they were showing that off all night long at Gig Factory Texas. Now the big question is, are these 4680s NMC or LFP? And if you don't know what we're talking about, that's nickel manganese cobalt or lithium iron phosphate. We don't know. Also the delivered vehicles are supposedly standard all wheel drive, not long range. But this standard option does not appear yet on Tesla's website. So I'm not sure what customers actually thought they were buying. Yeah, I've been getting conflicting messages from people about this point. So feel free to email us at hello at nowyouknow channel if you are one of those lucky Model Y delivery customers. My guess is that these standard Model Ys are the likely new uh, all-wheel drive 279-mile range Model Ys that we recently reported on being revealed through an EPA filing. I'll bet that some customers were reached out to privately from Tesla and asked if they'd like to take delivery of one of these at the event. Maybe these are Tesla employees or people who helped right. build a Gigafactory. I'm guessing if you were a customer on the list and you were going to have to wait months and months and you got the call, it's like, you want to take this model instead? And maybe there's some price you know, reduction, who knows? I'm guessing- and you get an- invite to gigafactory (laughs) elon sign my car (laughs) but this is weird because early on tesla offered a cheaper shorter range model y remember that and then it was quickly pulled because elon reportedly didn't want to offer a sub 300 mile version i think he kind of thought that was like lesser than Mm -hmm. but there's been a lot of demand for a cheaper variant especially with the price hikes and maybe tesla has come around on that point So my question is, will future variants made in Texas offer a 4680 pack that is NMC rather than what I suspect is LFP? Let us know what you think and why you think it in the comments below. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. So Elon Musk, Mary Barra, the CEO of GM, and Jim Farley, CEO of Ford, met last Wednesday along with executives from other smaller EV companies like Peter Rawlinson, the CEO of Lucid Motors. So what was the meeting about? The Biden administration invited these auto industry leaders to discuss plans for how to implement the upcoming $7.5 billion investment in EV infrastructure. You know, part of that huge spending bill that was passed last year. Right. The federal government plans to build 500,000 charging stations across the U.S. This meeting to me appears to be a If you want some of this pie, then you better show up and play nice. Uh, Each of these companies stands to get nice handouts from the government to build EV chargers. But one stipulation is that these EV chargers have to work for all EVs. And I think that that's a fair point. If you're getting money from the government, then it should apply to all the vehicles. It's like if they're giving out like a gas station subsidy, it'd be like, well, they have to be able to fill up all vehicles. But how is this going to work with Tesla? Because obviously Tesla has the supercharger network, that plug don't fit on pretty much any other EV. I think it's interesting that Elon showed up to this meeting. Mm -hmm. I think it shows you how important this meeting is. There's a lot of money being handed out. And I think this was to signal that, yes, we are willing to play ball. If that's true, then I think Tesla is going to have to retrofit Tesla superchargers like they did in Europe back in 2018. Remember when they added the CCS cable plug to the chargers so that basically the new Model 3s coming out could charge and older Model Ss and Xs could charge, which meant now that you had CCS on there... Pretty much all EVs could charge. So this was kind of work like any charging network. You'd have to download the Tesla app and then you'd have to make an account and then you'd have to input your credit card and then you'd have to tell it when you arrived at the charger and said, I'm going to plug in my Audi e-tron or something like that. My question is, let's say you take a standard uh, Tesla 8-stall supercharger. Mm. Would they just convert, you know, one, two or three stalls into CCS? Because I feel like you get pushback from the Tesla community if you converted all of them. But this could really be a game changer for non-Tesla EVs like Rivian, Mach-E, Polestar, etc. Because my big qualm with a lot of those other cars is not the cars. It's the fact that there's no place to charge them. It's a really good point. I think that Tesla probably could get away with having fewer stalls be uh, CCS compatible. At Electrify America right now, there is two plugs, uh, one CCS, one Chatmo. So the Chatamo is for basically only Nissan Leafs. Right. There really aren't that many other vehicles that can take Chatamo. Sometimes there's both plugs. Sometimes it's just CCS. And, and apparently everyone's cool with that. So... Yeah. Could Tesla get away with having a 12 stall supercharger and having only three or four of those stalls have the CCS plug that having four stalls? That's pretty much as good as most Electrify America stations. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that you'd have to use the Tesla app and you'd be sitting there next to Teslas. So as you're charging, you would get out, as we all do, and have mm-hmm. some Tesla time mm-hmm. and talk about, oh, how much range does your Model 3 get? Yeah. Oh, that's more than my Mach-E. You know, I feel like it's going to help sell Tesla's. Well, especially because you're going to have the Tesla app, your credit card's going to already be input in there. They're going to be telling you, oh, you could have saved X number of dollars right. if you because, I mean, they could offer higher prices for non-Tesla vehicles since it is a branded network. And look at, I mean, uh, Teslas are going to be pulling in and out fast, but people who are driving Rivians and Bolts are going to be sitting there for a lot longer going like, why am I stuck here so long? It's a good point. Not all cars can Charge at the 350 kilowatts that uh, even Electrify America stations can offer. So, no, I think that it it could. It could work. I think that it's really hard for people to see it now um, and it would be a transition period. So I think Tesla could start getting the money from the government even before they had converted like all 1000 superchargers in the U.S. to having some CCS plug. And before all of you Tesla owners get really upset, I think this actually could be really good news because this federal money could mean that Tesla could build out the supercharger network at an even faster rate than they're doing it now. Tesla has done it for the third time in the last few weeks. It has raised the price of one variant of the Model 3 again. Yeah, the Model 3 long range went up another $1,500 to $55,990. The Model 3 performance went up $1,000 to $62,990. This most likely has to do with the fact that nickel prices continue to go up steeply. Look at this chart of spot nickel prices, which have nearly doubled in the past year. That's about $1,000 more for the nickel needed in an average EV battery. Tesla's 811NMC battery has a cathode that is around 90% nickel. Yeah, EV battery prices have been falling dramatically for the past decade. Take a look at this chart. But this year, because of a bunch of factors, including the Ukraine war, supply chain problems, COVID, etc., and just overall demand, you can see here in this chart from Reuters that prices of EV batteries is coming back up almost to the 2019 price. But, hey, at least the base version of the Model 3 stayed at 46990 nine ninety So far. Right. <laughs> it could change next week. And this is why we have our Now You Know Investor Club exactly. um, over on Patreon. It's because, uh, you know— For the longest time, nobody thought about battery materials because uh, what are EVs even and what are the batteries made out of? Are they just made out of lithium? So, uh, yeah, Yeah. nobody knew that nickel was going to be so important. And this is why we've been talking about stocks that have to do with graphite and all those other boring materials that people didn't know anything about. Yeah. So join us over on Patreon for the Now You Know Investor Club, where we talk about all this boring stuff that makes money. Sono Motors, the maker of the Scion solar electric vehicle, has announced that they have signed a contract with Valmet automotive to produce the Scion in their plant in Ussikaupunkie, Finland. This would be for at least 257,000 vehicles over a seven-year period for a goal of about 43,000 vehicles per year. Sona Motors also announced a price increase for reservation holders who ordered after November 15th of 2021 from the original price of 21,400 euros to 23,950. So what is that in dollars? Uh, 23,350 to 26.1 before taxes or incentives. I mean, that's still not a bad price. Yeah, keep in mind it's a 54 kilowatt hour LFP battery for 305 kilometers of range or 189 miles, 75 kilowatts of charging and 120 kilowatt motor front wheel drive. It's cheaper than the cheapest leaf. It has more range and it's more efficient and more powerful and it has solar panels on it which charges it That's a pretty good deal. But it will be a while until I can get my hands on one. Right. It's going to be coming out in Europe in the second half of 2023. And my guess with that production rate of like 43,000 cars a year is that they're probably going to have that demand. I think they're going to be sold out. Well, right now they only have about 17,000 reservations. So, I mean, there is a possibility that you still could get your hands on one. Yeah. I mean, I think when cars aren't being produced yet it's hard for most people to want to put money down on them it just seems impossible Mm -hmm. and then when you start seeing them come out that's when a lot more interest happens and i think having solar panels on this vehicle is going to draw a lot of attention definitely so lexus has finally started unveiling its first electric car the rz 450e the full release will happen on 420 but they did tease a few images including this that it will have a yoke steering wheel so let me get this straight 420 release date yoke steering wheel And it looks, from the outside, just like a Model Y. Are they influenced by Elon or what? First of all, I don't think it looks like a Model Y from the front, but maybe the back. Well, unlike Tesla, Toyota's yoke is reportedly drive-by-wire. And this is something you wanted, actually. So it should allow for different steering ratios at lower speeds, like parking lots. This is unlike Tesla's Plaid, which is a fixed ratio. I'm also guessing the yoke is optional for drivers who prefer a wheel. I'm also guessing that this will have similar specs to the Toyota BZ4X which is basically the same powertrain. It's going to have a 71 kilowatt hour battery pack, 250 miles of range, front wheel drive or all wheel drive options, and 150 kilowatts of DC fast charging. And can we talk about the charging speed for a second? 150 kilowatts. I know for a lot of people who aren't really into EVs yet, um, that's one of the last things you think about is Mm. the charging speed. Uh, Charging speed is a really important thing 10% of the time. But I mean, I would argue that for that 10% of the time, it's 90% important. Exactly. You know, when you got to go to the airport or do some trip somewhere Uh, Then you're talking about how fast can we get this thing charged to move on with our trip. Mm -hmm. And 150 kilowatts is not bad. I will say, to me, it's like the minimum I would want nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of like what I get with old Sparky. Mm -hmm. 250 kilowatts you can get in Model 3s and Model Ys and stuff. And there are some Porsches and stuff out there that can do faster. But yeah, I think, you know, it was smart of them to keep the price down. We don't know what the price is yet. Mm -hmm. um, But I think 150 kilowatts is, you know, enough for now. Now, we are sponsored, as always, by our friends over at the Cybertruck Owners Club, where I spotted this. So this was a video taken at, I believe, Cyber Rodeo Live. And this is of the Cybertruck backing up and showing off its four wheel steering. So look very closely at the back wheel there. Yeah, it's easy to miss because it's not like the wheel is turning like 30 degrees or anything. I think this is a big deal. We know a little bit more about pickup trucks now than we did a week ago. (laughs) And uh, I think that this rear wheel steering is going to be a huge hit. My big question is whether Tesla can pull this off at the same price points that they had originally announced or whether this is just an upgraded option. I mean, I know that Elon had mentioned that it would have four-wheel steering. This is the first time we actually get to see it in action. Now, I think that a lot of people might have been expecting the rear wheel to turn more, Like like the same amount as the front Because I missed it the first couple times I watched it. I'm like, is it really turning? It's so slight. But it does make a big difference. I'm not going to bore you with all the trigonometry and the math to to prove that out. But uh, just a little bit of difference can make uh, what would be a huge turning circle or uh, turning radius into a heck of a lot smaller. Yeah. No, this is really exciting. And if you want to talk all about this, head on over to Cybertruck Owners Club. There you're going to find a crowdsource reservation tracker so you can find your place in line. You can check out their website for Cybertruck news, discussions, and community for Cybertruck enthusiasts and future owners. So you and Ethan just reviewed the Rad Mission e-bike by Rad Power Bikes. Yeah, last week we reviewed the Rad City 5 Plus. This week we took a deep dive with the Rad's most affordable model. So this is a single speed geared bike, which is how Rad Power probably saves some money on the costs. And this is an interesting point. For most bicyclists watching right now, normally a one-gear bike is kind of a no-go, but with an electric motor, you can get away with a single speed because on hills, you're aided by the 500-watt hub motor. Yeah. I think this is going to be a really popular bike for a lot of people. I know my sister just bought one Mm -hmm. um, because the price point, Mm -hmm. I mean, it it really is an affordable model. And I know what you're thinking. A lot of people go to the bike store and to spend $1,200 on a bike means you're getting like a really high end bike in the electric bike world. It's true. You're buying a battery and a motor. And so that actually means you're getting a low end bike in that price range. But I think Rad did a really good job of making this have most of the features you need while building a really quality bike. They really focused on it being more expandable. So it doesn't come with a kickstand. It doesn't come with fenders. Um, but there is the option to bolt those things on. Um, and I think that that is really important because getting the bike is the most expensive part. And sometimes some people don't need a kickstand because right. they're always going to be locking it up at a bike rack. Right. Um, or sometimes they don't need fenders. And so why add that cost into the bike when you can just buy what you want separately? And it's a very well-made bike. So instead of throwing on a whole bunch of fancy features. They focused on quality, which I think is a really smart way to go about it. Also, they knew what features you really needed. Mm -hmm. Uh, 500 watts is like the perfect size motor. It's not too powerful. It's not wimpy. And then for the display control, it's a very simple little unit, Mm -hmm. but like it does everything you need and nothing you don't. Yep. And it has a headlight and a taillight, which I think are very important when we're talking about safety. Yeah. So go check out the review. It's over on Let's review channel, which is our sister channel that we do. And we do that because we want to bring you as many e-mobility devices as possible because this is the future of transportation. So Nissan has a plan to launch an EV with solid state batteries. Whoa, this is huge. So this would be their what their latest leaf or the, the Aria. Or to be like a new vehicle? Well, we don't really know because this won't be happening until 2028. Are you sure? That's like six years from now. Good math. I'll be like in my mid-30s. Well, this is part of Nissan's Ambition 2030, where they hope to be selling all electric vehicles by 2030. Okay. So what's the holdup? Why will it take six years to do this? Well, I mean, first they had to plan to establish a pilot production line at its Yokohama plant in 2024. That's in two years. Why does that take two years? Establishing a pilot plant takes two years? Well, I mean, you got to clear out all the junk from the existing plant that you had there, right? All the machines and things that don't do anything and are useless. So Mm -hmm. that takes a while. And then it's going to take four more years to make a solid state battery that can go in a vehicle? I mean, my guess here is that they have the inklings of how to do a solid state battery. I mean, it's, it's not that this is impossible to do. It's just that you have to make it economically feasible. You have to be able to scale it up and produce it. And so if you can make something on a desktop, that doesn't mean that you can make it affordably. And I think that's the problem here. A lot of companies have some pretty good ideas about how to make a pretty cool battery. Most of them are probably not going to work out. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like putting the goal six years down the road... Nobody's going to notice if they're like, oh, actually, uh, 2032 is when we're going to have that solid state pack." Well, let's talk about corporate uh, C-suite executives. The average length of time they work for a company now, I think, is 4.7 years. So what do you do? You put out a goal when you think you're probably going to be gone. All right, guys, here's the new plan. We're going to take the can and we're going to kick it down the road. It's my new business mantra called kick the can down the road. Yeah, or kick the battery down the road. Right. It's just like, oh, we'll get to that. Yep. Don't worry. And when we do it, it's going to be solid state batteries. And I think that people love hearing about solid state batteries. And you might be like, why do they love hearing about solid state batteries? We have a story on Now You Know's Investor Club bonus story this week that explains how corporate minds think. Mm. It's very enlightening. All right. Well, we'll have to check that one out. So last quarter, 82.9% of vehicles sold in Norway were battery electric. So, I mean, this is a record, but the market share of EVs in Norway has been steadily increasing since all the way back in 2006. Right. Norway has used tax incentives to make buying an EV incredibly enticing. And many sources try to use this to suggest that EVs can't really work in other countries because of how expensive they are. But to me, it shows that EVs can work for most people because let's take a look at where Norway is compared to North America. Is that right? I mean, that's... (laughs) You never think about it like that. Oh, I know. Right. I'm always thinking that like Florida is down by Spain. And stuff. I, I always thought that we in Massachusetts were at the same level as Norway, but we're not. <laughs> well, at least London, you know, like look how far north that is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, Norway is got a lot of cold places. That's not where EVs typically work their best. Mm hmm. And if it can work in Norway in the cold, then for most people, it probably can work where they live. Also, let's just take a look at which EVs they're selling most. I'll give you a couple seconds to guess. It's Tesla's. (laughs) There's the there's the graph. And then, oh, can we go back to the pie chart where we showed all the different uh, fuel types for Mm -hmm. the vehicles? So you can see there we got, you know, electric, obviously, and then uh, gas and diesel and hybrids and stuff like that. And then I made hydrogen cars hot pink so that you can see them. Can you see it? No. Okay, zoom in. Okay. Keep zooming, zoom in really close. They sold three hydrogen cars in all of Norway in Q1. But don't worry, it's the future. <laughs> hey, and if you'd like to share this story with your friends but you don't wanna share our entire episode, head on over to our Now You Know Clips channel where we chop these into little bite-sized pieces that you can share easily. So Chase Bank just announced a partnership program with ED go to install fast chargers at 50 of its branch locations in the states of California, Indiana, Illinois, New York, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Now, this is very similar to the pilot program that we reported on recently between Starbucks and ChargePoint. Yeah, let's face it. The cold, hard reality is that chargers do not make a lot of money on their own. There's the construction costs, the equipment, the maintenance costs, and then the only revenue you make is the markup on electricity. But if you partner with a retail establishment that can draw in customers like coffee shops or grocery stores or restaurants, places where people are going to spend some time anyway, then you have a real win-win. But my question with this partnership is, though, um, why a bank? In my experience, you don't generally spend much time at a bank. In fact, I think most of us just use bank ATMs if we can, which isn't really enough time to do any charging. So Chase has about 4,800 branches across the U.S. and serves 60 million people. Now, this might be more for show than anything else. Chase also announced that they aim to have on-site solar power at 400 additional branches by the end of this year. Yeah, Chase said these chargers will be finished in the summer of 2023. I don't know. I just, um, I think it's nice. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. I just think that um, if I learned that like, oh, Chase Bank has charging, I think I'll switch all my things to Chase. I I don't think I would just because I don't spend that much time in the physical bank. I mean, even when I have to do some actual physical banking, I'm usually only there for five minutes. So I just don't, I think it's almost, again, like the executives at these companies don't know how EV charging works. They just like, we have a plug. I, I don't think that they care about the charging at all. I think that it's like, what can we do to look green? Mm -hmm. What can we put in an ad that people will think sounds good and it doesn't matter if it works or not? Free advice to brick and mortar companies out there. You're looking for ways to get more traffic. Put charging out front Mm -hmm. of your business, especially if you have a business where people are going to be in there for 20 minutes or longer, Mm -hmm. and you will see business increase. I promise you. Okay, I think I found the yacht I want. You're in the market for a yacht now? Well, I can't afford it, of course, because this costs almost $3 million. But if I was a billionaire, I think I'd go for this. 100% electric yacht by Soul Yachts, the 62-foot catamaran called the Sense 62. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. So you can get it with the full big battery. It's a 564 kilowatt hour battery. So half a megawatt hour. Uh, so the range will kind of depend on your speed. But I did a little math. And if you go, let's say four knots, which is, yes, very super slow. Uh, but I calculated that you probably would never have to stop to charge like because you've got 17.6 kilowatts of solar power on the roof, you can put about 50 kilowatt hours of energy back in the battery every day. So if it's as long as it's pretty sunny, you could pretty much just keep motoring. That's interesting. You know, the manufacturers say that you could actually go across an entire ocean. I feel like 62 feet is not the size boat you'd want to do that in. But for going up and down coasts like, you know, the East Coast or the West Mm -hmm. Coast or in the Mediterranean, I feel like this is nice because then you don't have to worry about charging. And I'm, guessing in the yacht world, uh, chargers are pretty hard to find. And so this would be nice because you just, you know, park wherever you want to park your boat. And if the sun's out, you're charging. And I mean, you're assuming that you're going to be yachting for like weeks at a time. Of course. But I'm most, a billionaire. But, I mean, most of the time you're probably going to have it moored. And the nice part is uh, with a lot of, you know, maybe electric boats uh, with no solar, you'd have to have it, you know, at the marina or mm-hmm. in the dock next to the charger plugged right. in. Um, but with this, you could have it wherever yeah it's just charging up and then you you know if you have the 564 kilowatt hour battery pack um you could just go for a really nice cruise for the whole day and you know come back i know a lot of you aren't yachters like me (laughs) never owned i haven't but you've never owned a boat i have owned a boat i built my own boat when i was 14 i owned a boat made out of plywood yeah but I've owned a boat. Okay. that's be technically correct. Um, but the thing you don't think about when you own a yacht is that you always have to run the diesel engines to power everything. So mm. even when you're moored, you still have to run it, which means that you have diesel fumes coming out and you have this <laughs> vibration all the time with this boat completely silent right. all the time. Uh, it features two 200 kilowatt electric motors. It has a top speed of 14 knots. And I think. The big thing here is you don't have to fill diesel fuel. So imagine as the prices of fuel keep going up and, you know, you want a yacht a thousand miles somewhere, it's free. So if anyone's getting this yacht and you need a first mate, I'm your man. <laughs> OK, so we already reported that GM and Honda are working together on two EVs coming to the U.S. in 2024. Now they have announced a further partnership to co-develop a series of affordable electric vehicles to come to market by 2027. If this doesn't read as desperation, then you either aren't paying attention or I am crazy. What do you mean? Well, I mean, I predicted that the big auto companies would go out of business. And this is yet another step on the way to obsolescence. But I mean, they're partnering together to drive down costs and save money. Exactly. Neither of these companies can figure out how to make money on an EV. Especially a low-end affordable EV where the margins aren't as good as the huge luxury like Hummer EVs. Two giant behemoths like Honda and GM working together. That is no easy task. I mean, look, historically, it hardly ever works out. When's the last time you heard about two giant companies working on anything? But they're desperate. And this is what desperation looks like. Mary Barra, GM CEO, said GM and Honda will share our best technology design and manufacturing strategies to deliver affordable and desirable EVs on a global scale. Look, big companies that are competitors now sharing their technology. That will not end well. Mark my words. So they'll both be using GM's Ultium battery platform to make global production of millions of EVs starting in 2027, including compact crossovers. And again, this sounds like you take the can and you kick it down the road. But before you do, name the can something really cool, like like the Ultium can. (laughs) Look, the Ultium battery platform has a cool name. I will give them that. But that's where the good stuff stops. There's nothing cutting edge about these batteries, except it's cutting edge for GM and Honda. Tesla's battery tech is years past them already, and these cars we're talking about, this joint platform, won't come out for at least a couple more years. Even if they somehow pull off all the cooperation issues, they're still going to be haunted by battery supply issues and then having to compete with one another at the end. So, okay, now you got a Honda that's basically the same as GM, and now they have to compete. This may well be the first steps towards these two companies merging, which is what I predict as one of the steps in their down fall big non-innovative companies don't know how to move forward quickly they do know how to buy and merge so that's what they do just like fiat and chrysler merged into Stellantis, and look how that's going for them i say it's bye bye honda and gm because again the strategy is Uh, we don't know what we're doing. Those uh, those guys over at Honda, they seem to know a whole lot of stuff. And those guys at GM have a battery platform. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a lot of synergy here. And again, I'm not going to be here because I am kicking the can (laughs) down the road. And speaking of cringy GM news, uh, GM announced last week that they resumed Chevy Bolt production. Yeah, GM spokesman Kevin Kelly said production of the Bolt EV and EUV resumed today as planned. We're excited to have the Bolt EV and EUV back in the market. So let's compare the Bolt chart to Tesla. And I want to point out, as you look at these two charts, because they both contain mm-hmm. lines ups and downs, um, mm-hmm. that the scale on the Bolt chart goes up to 15,000. The Tesla chart goes 23 times higher to 350,000. I mean, let's not forget that GM claimed that they would have at least 20 new EV models by 2023, but yet they only sold 26 electric cars in all of Q4 of last year and only 457 EVs Q1 this year. So does that sound like a bright electric future to you? So let me just say, let's count up the models, right? I count the Chevy Bolt. I'll even give them the Bolt EUV. I'll count that as a second model. Okay. Uh, You got the electric Hummer EV, Mm -hmm. the Cadillac Lyric, the Equinox EV, which we've only seen pictures of, Mm -hmm. the Sierra EV- Which we haven't seen at all. And the Silverado EV. So that is- seven models. So where are the other 13 models that are supposed to be produced next year? This is exactly what you just said about kicking the can. A few years ago, they kicked the can by saying, we're going to have a lot of things in a few years when I'm not here. Here's the few years later. Mm -hmm. We're only talking next year. You got to come up with 13 more EV models in a year. You're not gonna do it. Well, they're working with Honda. So they're gonna be the Honda Pilot GM EV. It looks like the rental car company Hertz is going on an EV buying spree. Yeah, a new announcement from Hertz says that they'll be buying 65,000 Stars over the next five years. It looks like Hertz customers will begin seeing pole Stars show up as choices as early as spring 2022 in Europe and later this year in North America and Australia. Okay, so I just wanna put a big caution sign up right now. Hmm. Sounds very exciting that you can get yourself a rented Polestar. Hang on, though. How are you going to charge the damn thing? Because normally when you rent a car, I mean, yes, you might rent it just to drive around a city. Maybe you won't need to worry about charging. But a lot of times you rent it so that you can go on some kind of trip Mm -hmm. and you're going to hop in the Polestar and you're going to be relying on if you're in America on uh, EVgo and Electrify America, as we've talked about countless times Mm -hmm. that there aren't many. of. So here's my issue. I think it's really great. I love. I mean, you're probably pointing to us right now and going, what are you upset about? Hertz is getting EVs. Mm -hmm. I'm not upset, except that a lot of these people getting these EVs will have no experience with EVs whatsoever. And their first experience will be with a car that doesn't have a dedicated network. And so they will go for some trip, have some problem, and then go home and tell all their friends and family that EVs suck. And that's what I'm really worried about. Yeah. And this is what we've been seeing with, uh, especially, I would say, EVgo, but also even Electrify America. I mean, sometimes none of the chargers work, or you have to do a whole bunch of finagling and call them up. And it's like, I don't want to do that every time I want to charge, going on a long trip, spend 15 minutes on the phone, not charging. Uh, It is very frustrating. And if people have that kind of experience, not saying that it'll always happen, but even 5% of the time, if it happens, it's not good for EV adoption because it just shows a whole bunch of weaknesses. Now, Hertz is also buying Teslas, and I think that again Tesla has kind of solved a lot of these issues. The supercharger stations work flawlessly from ninety nine percent of the time. From what we're hearing from people who did that, the strong point was the supercharger network. We got a report a couple weeks ago from Frank who drove like nine hundred miles and had no problems with charging because it was a Tesla. Exactly. But my question is, sixty five thousand Pole Stars. Can Polestar deliver that many to Hertz? I mean, I know it's for five years, but still. Yeah, Polestar only delivered 29,000 cars in 2021. And it looks like we're talking about the Polestar 2 from comments I saw from CEO of Polestar. But Polestar is planning on coming out with the Polestar 3 SUV later this year, the Polestar 4 SUV next year, and the Polestar 5 sports sedan in 2024. So maybe those will be available on the Hertz platform too. All right, it's time for Into the Future, sponsored by our friends over at Henson Shaving. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day normally you design something to be easily manufactured Mm -hmm. and so you you skip a couple steps you make it a little bit easier to make um that is not the case i.e crappier (laughs) yeah that is not the case with henson shaving they are used to making some of the hardest stuff in the world stuff for satellites and the mars rovers and machining it and so when they were designing their razor they did not skip any steps i noticed that your henson shaver Is all metal. Yeah. It's aluminum and a tungsten thrust bearing. Wow. So how many of your shavers have tungsten in them? But yeah, all metal. It's going to last me for the rest of my life. And you can use our code to get 100 blades for free by using the discount code now you know when you're checking out with your brand new Henson shaver. Your face will thank you. So what's sexier than Porsche Taycan's driving? To me, it's actually this Porsche Taycan's proving that vehicle to grid or V2G can work. We talk about it a lot on this show, it's what we think is an obvious solution to getting our energy system to be sustainable faster. So what are the ingredients for a clean, sustainable, and cheaper grid? You got your solar panels, you got your wind turbines, and you got your electric cars. That's right, electric cars are big mobile batteries. If they can be used to store energy and pump that energy back onto the grid when needed, then you've just solved two problems with one machine. Porsche sent out a press release recently showing off a test that they just did with five Porsche Taycans. Lush Mesky, the deputy chairman of the executive board of Porsche, explained the charging technology of the Porsche Taycan and our home energy manager and mobile charger products have a lot of potential for the future. The pilot test proved that. And the balancing power market isn't the only thing a pooling system of this kind can be used for. Advanced solutions for green charging and other vehicle-to-grid applications are also conceivable. And that's not all. If electric vehicles feed electrical energy back into the grid in the future, for example, with a private solar system, Contributing to the expansion of regenerative energy, it will further increase the acceptance of e-mobility. Yeah, I mean, 95% of the time, your EV is just sitting there waiting for you to drive it. It could also be storing energy when the grid is producing too much and selling it back to the grid when it needs more juice. It's good to see more and more companies figuring out this technology because the economics make absolute sense. Now it's just up to figuring out how we can get that technology in the cars and get people to start thinking that way. I don't know if the economics make sense with the Porsche Taycan, Um, but certainly for other cars with big batteries. I'm just saying you were going to buy the Porsche Taycan anyway because you like the car. Was I? Well, maybe not you. (laughs) All right. It's time for Going Green sponsored by EcoWare. And if you head over to EcoWare, everything you find there is carbon offset. We carbon offset the shipping, the life cycle and the manufacturing of your product. And then we plant trees on top of that. And then we help cap wells. So everything you buy is actually carbon negative. So who knew that wind, solar, and EVs were the answer to keeping us on the 1.5 degrees Celsius path that we need to stay on to avoid a climate disaster? Well, I mean, I mean, we knew that. That's why we've been preaching wind, solar, and EVs for the past seven years here on TTN. But you know who else knows? The IPCC. Yes, that's the fun group of scientists on the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The IPCC just released another fun report titled "The IPCC Working Group Three Sixth Assessment Report." It's a mere 3,675 pages approved by 195 member governments. Spoiler alert, if we don't do anything, humanity is in trouble. Oh, you knew that part already. Well, did you know that they said that building wind and solar is the most impactful and cheapest way to keep temperatures to 1.5 degrees Celsius? So let's look at some facts we found in this report. How about the fact that the global carbon dioxide emissions need to fall by 24 gigatons or 43 percent from where they are now by 2030 for a 1.5 degree Celsius pathway? The IPCC shows that wind power has potential to deliver 3.9 gigatons of emissions savings and solar has 4.5 gigatons by 2030. So combined, they can provide over one third of the total emissions reductions necessary by 2030. The report shows that over half of emissions reductions from wind and solar will actually save money compared to the business as usual scenario. Manish Bapna, president and CEO of Natural Resources Defense Council, had a statement about the report that I liked. The good news is that we have the climate solutions needed and they work. While the fossil fuel industry tries to exploit the crisis in Ukraine and lock us into decades more of dependency, this report affirms tremendous gains here at home and abroad in clean energy, in wind and solar power and battery storage, and foresees little future for fossil fuels. But we simply have to move much faster. And ain't that the truth? We have the answer right before us. We have to just adopt it as fast as possible. And that brings us to Sunspots. For this week's Sunspots, I thought we'd stick it to coal and talk about a new solar farm in West Virginia that's being built on the former site of one of West Virginia's largest coal mines, the Hobbit mine that went bankrupt in 2015. This new 250 megawatt solar farm built on 300 acres is called Sun Park, And it's being developed by SEVA West Virginia and should be completed by 2024. It'll create 250 to 300 good paying construction jobs. And it's going to power about 100,000 homes that will now be powered by the sun. So West Virginia needs these projects because according to the Solar Energy Industries Association, West Virginia recently dropped from 45th in the nation in solar to 48th. Now, which states are 49th and 50th? 49th is Alaska, which really isn't their fault, if you think about it, because they're a huge state and they're super far north. And the 50th is Kentucky. Yikes. Pretty far south. Yeah. Best five states in 2021 were California, Texas, North Carolina, Florida, and Arizona. Now, if you'd like to get solar on your house and stick it to the coal mines, head on over to Energy Pal. They're the friends of ours that can help you go solar for less doesn't cost you anything. They'll give you all the advice you need because there's a lot of uh, details you need to figure out and tell them that Zach and Jesse sent you. All right, time for our video contributor stories and we need some more. So send them on in to hello at nowyouknowchannel.com. Remember to make them two minutes or less, shoot them in landscape, have some good audio and no music. What do we got this week, Jess? We've got Kevin at the 2022 Drive Electric Earth Day event in Golden, Colorado.
0: Hey, Zach and Jesse, this is Kevin from Colorado. at the National Drive Electric Week event here in Golden, Colorado. This year the event has expanded to more EVs than I've ever seen at this event, including a Rivian. This lady here just got her Rivian this past week, and look at this beauty, my oh my. So yeah. I am sure yeah. that this will just make your mouth water. Yeah, we're gonna go like
2: so, yeah. Try excited that you showed up. Um, so, it's so good. all uh,
0: what?
1: No, it's Illinois. She lived here. Oh um, no, that's cool. No, indigenous. There's a cat. The only problem is
0: it's
1: not in blue. Now you know. It. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's cool seeing a Rivian R1T. And now it's time for the Patreon bonus stories. We've got a couple Investor Club bonus stories this week. On Patreon bonus stories, we're going to be reporting on how the Postal Service was in the congressional hot seat last week. How GM Cruz evades police. A Tesla fan video that's going to get you pumped. And experts explain what will happen as more EVs use the electrical grid. So head on over to patreon.com slash now you know. Support us for as little as a buck a month and you'll get all these Patreon bonus stories. We'll see you there. All right. We're back from the Patreon bonus stories. It's time for the shout outs for these important people who make the show possible every week. Edgar Rodriguez, Dale Turner, Luster Conroy, Dwayne Thomas, Jamie Serta, Glenn Stummer, Rob Brock, Carl Kronig, Anthony, Joseph Hermans, Tom and Dottie Giddings, Peter Bong, Marco Goncalves, Sid, Sam Marsh, Adam Doty, Michael Hardy, Dima Crabb, John Bauer, Hapa, Kava Marty Douglas, Bobby Freeman, and Ryan. Thank you so much for supporting this show. We can't do it without you. All right. So, we had a Patreon poll this week, which was what was the best part of Cyber Rodeo Live besides us doing the live stream? (laughs) And most people said seeing Giga Texas up and running. And the second highest was the drone light show. That was incredible. It was really good. Yeah. I can't imagine if you were there seeing it live. That must have been insane. All right. It's time for community mail time. (coughs) And I want to remind you guys to send your stories in to hello at NowYouKnowChannel.com. We want to see photos of everything you are up to. Rich sent us these pictures of an R1T charging at a free charge point at a festival foods grocery store in Verona, Wisconsin. And that's Rich's Model 3 Standard Range Plus. Congratulations, Rich. Lewis sent us these stats of his SunPower 10-kilowatt X21 series panels and his Tesla 8.5-kilowatt PV system and his four power walls. And if you're looking at all these numbers and you're like, what is this? Once you get these systems, you just geek out over these numbers because it is so fun to look at how much energy you're producing for free every day. From the sun. Kevin sent us this picture of a Kia EV6. Now, Kevin is a teacher and he spotted this in the school's teacher parking lot in a rural town in Livingston County in New York in the Finger Lakes. My advice to you, Kevin, is to find out who that teacher is to make (laughs) friends with them so you can go for a ride in that That EV6. DC sent us this picture of a gray Polestar 2 and a white Kia EV6 in Ventura, California. Sam spotted this Polestar 2 on his dashcam video the other day in Milpitas, California, which is a small town between Fremont and San Jose, California. Our buddy Kevin went to the 2022 Drive Electric Earth Day event in Golden, Colorado, and he saw this 1972 Plymouth satellite. We actually talked about this on the show before. Uh, Rich and Steven have met the guy who made it, Mm. Um, and uh, you can go check that out on the Rich Rebuilds channel, but this is pretty cool. This is his first EV conversion, and uh, I would not mind driving that. And you know, I thought I'd contribute to the community mail time this week, Uh because I was in New York this weekend, and I spotted a Rivian R1T in my color, Rivian Blue. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember I climbed into the gear tunnel to see if I can fit, and I can. That's and right. Close the door. That's right, you did. And then we drove it home to see if it had the range to go from New York City to my house in Massachusetts on a single charge. And it did. And I guess this is a long way of saying we have a Rivian R1T now. And we're going to be bringing you our initial thoughts and walk around this week on In Depth. So stay tuned for that. So, yeah, if we got an R1T. Finally. Woohoo! Woo! Finally, it only took. <laughs> <laughs> Whew, a while um, and yeah so hit the subscribe button hit the bell notification so that way you don't miss this week's In Depth but yeah. we're going to have lots more Rivian content to come because it's our freaking car and we can say whatever we like about it that's right and nobody can take it away from us except maybe the bank <laughs> alright it's time for Supercharger Reviews let's see what we got out in the world
2: hey everybody we're coming to you live from Gaylord, Michigan uh, we're at one of the new stalls we're the only ones here right now it's like 9, 10 at night. Heading up north of Michigan. Uh, they've got the new EV chargers over there. There's a couple. There's a big Meyer here. We've got Lucky Steakhouse across the street. a uh, TJ Maxx, a Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, and then just down the street north, uh, towards 75 North, Taco Bells, Burger Kings, everything you want there. But uh, this one's pretty empty tonight. Um, We did the Bay City charge on the way up from Detroit, and yeah, seems pretty uh, easy and simple. All the chargers seem to be in working order, and pretty easy and accessible off of 75, so now you know. Isaac and Jesse, we're out here in Colby, Kansas, at a 10-stall V2 Supercharger. Uh, So, the superchargers face the back of the building but once you go in there's a Qdoba there's a Starbucks there's a there's like a Japanese restaurant uh, and but and, and there's super nice restrooms so I don't know I'd give this place a 10 out of 10 now you know hey Zach and Jesse today we're here in Oneata at the supercharger it's a v3 250 kilowatt uh, eight stall, uh, very quick and easy off the highway. Uh, just one, one turn and then you're there. Looks like we also have some uh, Electrify America chargers over there, as you can see with the green lights. I think there's about uh, six stalls over there, varying from I think uh, three. There's a one 350, uh, a few 150s, and a few 50s. Uh, yeah we got a model blue model s right here charging fish mouth and then we also got our uh, model y right here so yeah as far as amenities go there's a Morabido gas station with uh, drinks and uh, bathrooms there's a car wash Uh, just down the road over there there's a plaza with um, panera bread and uh, a bunch of other shops so overall I'd probably give this uh, probably a, a seven seven and a half out of ten uh, not bad uh, not too many amenities but pretty good and uh, not the best views either all right now you know
0: hey Zach and Jesse how you doing it's Phil here from Thunder Bay Ontario we have these six stall supercharger stations version three. Um, it's located uh, around this uh, shopping area. There's a, um, looks like a Canadian tire. There's a Walmart this way. And uh, for Eats, there's not too much. There's a Tim Hortons right there. I think that's a Starbucks over here somewhere. Um, other than that, not really a whole lot going on. Uh, I would give this uh, supercharger station a, uh, say, 7 out of 10.
1: Now you know. Thank you so much for doing supercharger reviews. If you want to see a map with all of the supercharger reviews on it and even add your review to it, you can check that out on our website, nowyouknowchannel.com. What do we got for new supercharger Jess? We got the 12 stall in Ferrybridge, UK. Number 123 in Germany, the 20th stall in Neumunster, Germany. Number 34 in Maryland, the 4th stall in Laurel at Fort Meade Road in Maryland. Number 91 in Florida is the 16th stall in Estero, Florida. Number 94 in the UK is the 8th stall in Winchester, UK. The 8th stall in Red Hook, New York. Number 64 in New York is the 10th stall in Melville at Walt Whitman Road, New York. Number 12 in West Virginia is the 8th stall in Fairmont, West Virginia. Number 14 in Denmark, the 16 stall at Odense. Number 50 in Australia is the 3 stall in Margaret River, Western Australia. Number 23 in Nevada, number 1,324 in the US, and 3,378 in the world, the 12 stall in Las Vegas at the McCarran Marketplace. Nice. All right. It's time for the Patreon comment of the week. And uh, we had been talking on the Patreon bonus stories last week about something that happened to a solar roof customer um, where basically they were waiting and waiting. Uh, They'd had their roof taken off. They'd had the Tesla solar team came out and put on like a base roof that it's not really supposed to be on very long Mm -hmm. and before you put the real roof, but it had been months and it started leaking. Uh, So G had this little uh, one act play. I will be the homeowner. You be Tesla. How's that? My roof is leaking badly. I have to have a new Tesla solar roof today. Sorry, we just can't do it. We won't have Tesla tiles in stock for at least a month, maybe longer. If you need roofing today, you'd best put on some asphalt shingles. Oh no, not for a month. But I don't want to pay for temporary asphalt just to see it go off to landfill. Is there nothing you can do? Well, I guess we could strip your roof and cover it with ice and water shield. That should keep you dry for six months and the tiles are sure to be in by then, we hope. But really, you should get the asphalt even though it's temporary. It would be the safest way to go. Safest. Yes, I understand, but the cost and the waste and I really want my Tesla roof and the tiles will be here in a month, right? Well, we hope the tiles will be here in a month, but the way supply chains are backed up, they might not show up for two months. Who can know? Surely the tiles will be here in two months at the most. So let's do it. Please strip my roof and finish the job when the tiles are in. And scene. Yeah. And of course that didn't happen. The tiles, for some reason, uh, were like on a ship in Los Angeles port. But it does point out a good point. I mean... Roofs fail all the time and are constantly being replaced. And if Tesla was able to step in, instead of you like planning, it, like who plans in advance? Oh, my roof is going to fail in a certain amount of time. And I'm going to... No, you wait till the roof starts leaking catastrophically. And then you call the roofer and they go, I can either fix it or I can replace it. I'm probably going to replace the whole thing because it's old. And you go, oh boy. If you could call Tesla and within a week they could fix your roof, I think it would aid in sales now i know we're not there yet but we could we heard from so many people that nobody ever strips a roof without having all the materials ready to go and i know that i'm a contractor Mm -hmm. you just don't do it Mm -hmm. um for just this reason so i can't believe that tesla would be so dumb but we've heard this countless times that they don't have the materials on hand before they do the work yeah uh somebody at tesla has got to change that policy anyway thank you so much for hanging around to the end uh being our supporters and viewers we really appreciate your support over on patreon if you're seeing these people's names go by that's because they donated at the five dollar level over on patreon and so they get their names listed here at the end of the show we're so glad to show them because really without them we can't do the show the show is just it's not possible we've been looking at our youtube revenue and like running numbers and it's just it it, (laughs) yeah we've been sitting in these chairs for three hours three hours um, and then we need to take that three hours chop it down into what you're watching um, and there's also lots of other great stuff for our patrons and the reason why we do all of that is because they make this show possible so they, they are usually ending up with about this much content if not more every week because honestly they they make the show possible speaking of content we got to get out of our seats and go film the r1t we we have some initial thoughts we want to get to you so we're going to go do that right now we'll see you guys next week now Now you know. know this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
2: Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks.